When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying so about that, man. Warnings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystal? What? Picks you up, calms you down, it's the lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Welcome to College Football Monday, brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. This is a Sons of Saturday live show, and I am your host, Pete B. I come to you each and every week to tell you what's been going on in college football, recap the weekend that was, talk about some upcoming games, you know, do some of the narrative stuff that's going on around college football, and of course, give you a heavy dose of what the Hokies are up to. And uh, that might have not been. So good this past weekend. In this episode, I'm of course going to get to all the action we had. I'm going to give you my playoff four. And this week, I'm also going to give you the rankings of my best teams in college football. So it's it's more or less my power rankings, and they do differentiate from the playoff four. So we'll get to that later. If you have any questions, make sure you hop in the chat. Uh, you can like the video. Liking the video helps us out. And if you are watching on Twitter, this just came up across your Twitter feed. You're like, who is that? Well, come on over to the Sons of Saturday YouTube channel, and you can participate in the chat much easier. It's better for our engagement, and you can like the video, and it would be much appreciated. So come on over to YouTube if you are watching on Twitter or X, and subscribe to the channel. I would call this past weekend stressful Saturday. Texas was under some stress. Bama was under stress for a little while there. Jaden Daniels was was doing stuff. Washington under a little bit of stress. Georgia in a one-score game with Mizzou, a, a, a game where I thought Georgia was going to, you know, be up and running and operational. Maybe not so much. Ohio State even in New Jersey under a little bit of stress and Ole Miss messed around and almost found out They didn't quite do that. So let's get into week 10. I'm going to start with Bedlam because it was the last one, at least for a while, and it lived up to the hype. It was pretty much a one-score game throughout. There were lead changes, but after the second Ollie Gordon touchdown, Pokes didn't look back. They they added a field goal, and Oklahoma themselves added the field goal as well. And then they got the ball back, but they couldn't get across midfield. And Oklahoma State won. Ollie Gordon was awesome. 137 yards, two touchdowns for him. He continues that role. But Bowman, the quarterback, was arguably better. 334 pass yards, a rushing touchdown, a 91.3 QBR. Gundy has his quarterback now. And it's not like OU didn't move the ball. They had some explosive plays. They outgained the Cowboys in this one. There were three turnovers and no sacks for Oklahoma. They had a they had a problem with pressure, and it was just a huge win for Gundy and for Oklahoma State fans in general. They have to feel so good heading into this long layoff of Bedlam with the win and the bragging rights as Oklahoma kisses them off for the SEC. Well, massive win. It puts Oklahoma State 
in position to go to the Big 12 title game if they can win out. And even if they don't win out, who knows? There are several two-loss teams in the conference lurking. Actually, there's five of them. But Oklahoma State has one loss and Texas has one loss, and those teams do not play in the regular season. So that right now is looking like your championship game because if the only teams that Oklahoma State has left at UCF, at Houston, and BYU. And now that, that UCF game, that is a letdown spot in a big way, but that is three Big 12 newcomers left on their schedule. And if you look at how the newcomers have fared in the Big 12 so far this year, hasn't been tremendously well. So it's a favorable schedule for Oklahoma State down the stretch to run the table and get to that championship game and maybe play Texas, which brings me to Texas. They held on to beat Kansas State 33-30 to in overtime. This game looked like it was over in the first half. It was 27-7, to and I even tweeted out something like, K-State not showing up today is really surprising to me because they have been on a roll They've been playing really well. I I kind of almost expected them to upset Texas in this game. Well, the second half was a totally different half. With the help of some turnovers, Kansas State got back in the game. They tied it 30-30 to at the last second on a field goal. But when it came to overtime, Texas got one yard, and that's all they needed. They kicked a field goal, and they won 33-30. to Will Howard for K-State threw for 327. He had four touchdowns. He really spread the ball around well. A lot of guys had 60 to 70 yards receiving. And Murphy, the quarterback for Texas, wasn't amazing. But Adani Mitchell, his wide receiver, was eight receptions, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Brooks went for 112 and a touchdown, but he did have that lost fumble. That overtime field goal, though, for Texas, that was a season saver. And with OU's loss, it moves Texas in that driver's seat to get to the to Big 12 title game with Oklahoma State. But who knows? I mean, this conference is really weird this year. We thought we had two teams that were well out in front of everybody else in Oklahoma and Texas. Well, Oklahoma has come back to the pack. Perhaps Texas will drop one here because they don't look invincible. They, they've been a good team, but they do not look invincible by any means. Washington and USC was wild. It was 52 to 42, a Huskies win. But I called this, it was the NBA All-Star game, only interesting because there was no defense in this game, nearly 1,100 yards of offense combined. Caleb Williams had 312 and four touchdowns, an 89.1 QBR. He played, he played his heart out, as we saw after the game. Penix was also very good, but the story was Dylan Johnson. His rushing for Washington, 256 yards, 9.8 yards per carry, 9.8 yards per carry on 26 carries, four touchdowns, and they ran for 316 as a team did Washington on their way to the win. They were also all over Caleb, and that's what made the performance by Williams so incredible, in my opinion, because he was under duress. He got sacked three times. He kept escaping. He kept making plays. And you could tell he just, he put everything he had into that game. But it was a big dub, four big dub. 9-0, and 6-0 in the conference. And a win on a national stage against a national brand in USC. And so this is something the committee is probably going to take note of. And we'll see how they treat Washington in the next rankings, which will come out Tuesday night. 
Let's move to some SEC action. Bama was able to keep up with and ultimately beat LSU. This was, I don't know. I kind of thought LSU might get this victory because their offense is so dangerous and because the way Jalen Daniels was just going nuts early and often in this game, he kicked it off with a long TD pass to neighbors, but he had 219 passing and 163 rushing on only 11 carries. Three total touchdowns for Daniels. But Milrow, who had maybe an even better day with four touchdowns and the W, so obviously it's a better day, but 219 passing for him. They both had 219 yards passing and 155 rushing for Milrow and Daniels would have put even more stats on the page if it wasn't for the headshot that he took and getting knocked out of the game, which, you know, it it was talked about on Twitter. We have all these targeting reviews and they seem excessive and it's so annoying. And then on this play, when a star quarterback for LSU gets popped in the head, there's no targeting. It's, it was annoying, um, but it wouldn't have, it's not like it would have changed him staying in the game. You know, at that point in time, it would have given them some yards, but it was just disappointing for this not to finish because it looked like it was going to be a classic. And in some ways it still was, but Milrow was sensational against what's been a poor LSU defense that was missing some guys. And even with missing those guys, LSU managed to grab the lead early in the third quarter after a nice drive, but Bama tied it. And shortly thereafter was the injury. And I think... I think Bama would have won the game regardless, but I, I wanted to see it play out. Great win by Bama. Does it change my thoughts on the playoff four and who wins the SEC? Maybe. Let's get to Georgia. Georgia beat Mizzou 30-21 to in a game they did trail briefly in the third quarter. Mizzou had a lead. Mizzou was able to run the ball. Schrader had 112 on 22 carries and a touchdown. Cook wasn't good late. We saw the costly interception, and he was just 14 of 30 in the game. Devastating interception when they were up 27 to 21, and then he threw another late one. Beck, on the other hand, showed why Georgia has a shot at another title, a third title in a row. 254, two touchdowns, and 84.1 QBR. It was an even game in a lot of ways. And it's another example of Georgia not looking elite this season. And that is why I had taken them out of my playoff four weeks ago because they're playing all these close games against teams they really should be throttling, I I would think. And then, you know, they have the cocktail party. I get fooled again. I put Georgia back in my playoff four. I wouldn't say fooled, but like, okay, they got it together. Now they're going to go out at home against Mizzou, who's a good team. And they're just going to stop them. They're going to cover that 16 and a half. Well, here we go again. I, I know Brock Bowers was missing. One tight end. If you were a championship level team, one tight end. And I know he that, that's, that's diminishing him a bit, but you, you get my point. One player shouldn't prevent Georgia from covering against Mizzou. In my opinion, if you're going to, if you're good enough to win the championship, one player shouldn't prevent you from covering against Mizzou. And so this has been tearing me up all year. Bama in the playoff four, Georgia in the playoff four. You have to have an SEC team in there, right? I mean, the SEC did not have a great out-of-conference this year. So it does come under debate. But I will get to my playoff four later and tell you what I've decided for this week at least. 
just talking about the SEC further, despite blowing a two-touchdown lead, Ole Miss did beat Texas A&M 38-35. Jackson Dart was unbelievable, 387 yards, 11.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, a 96 QBR, as was Quinshawn Judkins, which Quinshawn Judkins, this, what a name, 102 yards rushing, three touchdowns for him. A&M did move the ball, but they got major problems now. They are five and four. Jimbo looks as good as gone. Like he, he really looks as good as gone. And it was funny. The cover three guys were talking about like, okay, so maybe you want to, do you want to not wait? And you just want to get rid of Jimbo now. Well, who do you put up as your coach, interim coach, Bobby Petrino, DJ Durkin. I mean, the choices are less than optimal. And so A&M, give them credit because they fought back in this game and they were down multiple scores a couple different times and came back. They're in trouble. A&M is in trouble and they're going to have to do something about their head coaching position. Ole Miss has now won four of their SEC games by one score. How good is Ole Miss? I, I don't know. I thought Ole Miss would cover in this game. They did not. They are good, but they are not that good. And we're about to find out next week when they go to Athens how good they are. Ohio State survives their trip to Piscataway. And, and it was funny because they were down at the half. And everyone is the memes were coming up about Ryan Day and whatever. And they ended up covering the game. So so uh it did look a little sketch early, but Trevion Henderson was the reason why. And when they need plays, they go to Harrison and they go to Henderson. And Henderson was the difference maker for Ohio State in this one. 128 yards rushing, 80 yards receiving, and a touchdown. Harrison had two touchdowns himself, just didn't have the yards. But Court played well. He threw, he threw a pick. His receivers let him down a couple times with some drops. An 80 QBR for him. Wimsat was not good. 10 of 25, one touchdown, one INT. We know what Wimsat is. Uh, they did have that cool fake fumble snap between the legs to, to Managai. He went for 159, 6.6 yards per carry in this game. But Rutgers kicking field goals deep in Ohio State territory in the first half. I said it during the game. I was like, they did it once inside the five. They settled for a field goal. They did it again. And then they did it again. I don't think that one was as close, but they were up nine to seven because they you're trying to beat Ohio State, Shiano, and you're kicking field goals inside the five. Take the shot, man. Take the freaking shot. You as soon as they did that the second time, I'm like, they're gonna lose. And and of course they lost and they you played cowardly and you didn't even cover. You didn't even cover kicking field goals inside the five. That was, that was some loser. That was some loser stuff right there. Arizona smacked UCLA 27 to 10. This is the number one Arizona Wildcats podcast. Noah Fafita, 300 yards, three TDs, 93.7 QBR for Fafita. He has been awesome. A breath of fresh air for that program. The Arizona defense held Chip Kelly's offense to under 300 yards, just 10 points. Just 157 yards passing for the Bruins. They still don't have a quarterback. They've been playing around. They still don't have a quarterback. Huge win for Arizona, who jumps into the AP rankings this week at number 24. Maybe, maybe they'll get into the, to the playoff rankings. We'll see. 
Oregon stomped Cal 63 to 19. And, and, and maybe that score kind of went unnoticed. It didn't go unnoticed to me because Nick's 386 and four touchdowns. Cal has been in games. They have been fighting in games all year. And Oregon's defense gave up less than 300 yards in this blowout, which you thought, oh, maybe late Cal. No, it was still under 300 yards for that Oregon defense. 42 to 19 after three quarters. What does Dan Lanning do? Well, <laughs> he does that. He does an FU and puts up 21 in the fourth on Cal to make it 63. So really impressive victory by Oregon. I, I want to talk about Oregon more later. Michigan predictably crushed Purdue 41 to 13. McCarthy 335 passing. Wilson 143 receiving. Quorum three TDs on the ground. But they didn't cover. You know, we have this Michigan science ceiling scandal, which I didn't even really get into. Well, I haven't gotten into it. We talked, maybe me and Rob talked about it briefly. But you thought that with all that stuff going on, Harbaugh was going to be mad. He's going to come out. He's just going to want to smack Purdue around, score 60 points or something. They didn't cover. little disappointing. Thought they'd cover the 32. They did not. It was a big spread, but... Penn State took care of Maryland 51 to 15. This was a game where I didn't quite know what to do. You know, Maryland's coming off the embarrassing loss. Penn State's offense has looked pretty bad two weeks in a row. Drew Aller had his best game of the season. Four touchdowns, 96.6 QBR. A good ramp up for him for next weekend when they play Michigan. And we're, we'll talk about next week's games at the end of the show. Utah bounced back in a big way, crushed Arizona State 55-3. to Arizona State has been improved. They've been playing well despite their record. 55-3. to Whittingham got on those kids this past week after the Oregon performance and said, let's go. Let's go whoop that ass. And they did. Great bounce back for Utah. They got a huge game against Washington this upcoming weekend in Seattle. Oregon State beat Colorado. That game was that game was not pretty. 26 to 19. Good on Colorado, though, for not getting stopped with the way their offensive line has been playing, just the way they've been playing in general, with the offensive coordinator switch, which probably wasn't warranted. Nevertheless, weird game. Colorado loses again. Before I get to ACC notes, VT Corner, all the good stuff, playoff four. Let's talk about our sponsor. At the top of the show, I told you, College Football Monday is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. You can see it on the screen. Who doesn't love supporting a local family-owned and operating business? I know I do. I know you guys do too, and that's what you get with McCoy's. They were established in 1980, been around for a long time, and they offer full-service major minor repairs. They can rebuild your transmission, your engine. They do oil changes, state inspections. And you can buy your tires there, which is huge. Go there, get a fresh set of tires for the winter, have them put on. But they can take care of whatever you need with a car. They also have optional pickup and drop-off service for your vehicle if you just can't get there with work, which is so clutch. So head to McCoy's this fall or winter for all of your vehicle maintenance needs or give them a call. The number is right on the screen, 540-639-2933. You can also find them on Facebook. And just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. In the ACC notes this week, Duke beat Wake in a silly game on Thursday night, 24-21. to 
Wake just gave this game away after being up a TD late in the fourth. I mean, Duke's quarterback, the replacement for Riley Leonard, he was not good at all, Loftus. But Duke got the win. It was a gritty win by Elko, and, and they were helped out by Wake Forest just screwing it up. BC beat Syracuse and their backup QB 17-10 to 10 on Friday night. And this was the ugliest game. Whether it was the camera angle we were trying to watch in the Dome or just the fact that Syracuse was utterly pathetic again. I mean, both teams looked looked kind of sad out there. Just 246 yards for Syracuse, 209 yards rushing, which is notable only because we gave up zero. BC gave up 209 to that same Syracuse team. But Castellanos did his thing, you know, yards through the air, yards on the ground. Uh, he had both touchdowns, and they won the game. That is our next opponent. And me and Rob will talk about BC in our next episode this upcoming uh, Wednesday night. Clemson got on top of Notre Dame early, and they held on to win 31-23. to Good bounce-back win for Clemson. Hartman was bad, man. I don't like Sam Hartman for how good he looked earlier in the year and for how much of a veteran he is. Zero touchdowns in this one, two interceptions, a sub 40 QBR. Nice job. Nice job there. Klubnik wasn't good either, but it didn't really matter because Mafa went off 186 yards on 36 carries and two touchdowns from Mafa. Shipley wasn't able to play. So that's why Mafa was running the ball, but he looked great. Trotter on the defensive side of the ball. Two sacks and that huge pick six. Philly kid, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., his father, great Philadelphia Eagle. He had that, that was a huge play, broke the game open, gave him, you know, spurned him to that big lead. Big win for Dabo. And after the game, he was he's out there chirping fresh off Tyler. He, uh, by all that Clemson stuck <laughs> that you can. I mean, gosh, the guy is just, he's so... I like. I used to love Dabo, and, and I do appreciate because if I was a coach, maybe I would act like him sometimes. I thought his commentary responding to that Tyler call was a little immature and unprofessional. If you know, he had to go through all of his life achievements to show just how great of a life he's had. Okay, Dabo, we get it. You, you've you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, and and that that chip on his shoulder it never goes away. He can have multiple national championships, he still feels like that walk-on. That's that's just who Dabo is. But good on him. He got a win here, and he had some fun with the uh, post-game presser. FSU went to Pittsburgh, got a win, 24-7. to That was a survival game. And I know Pitt is awful. and But I, I really don't care. How many promising seasons have we seen go to Pittsburgh and die? undefeated seasons to a bad pit team and die. FSU didn't do that. They had 501 yards. They probably should have put up more points in this one. Pitt is just a freaking mess. Three turnovers, 11 penalties, 0 for 11 on third down. They are an absolute mess. I, I It's very strange how bad they are. UVA should probably not be favored anymore this year. Okay, Vegas? <laughs> they had a slight advantage if you looked at looked at the betting odds this week over Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech whipped their butt. <laughs> From the second quarter on, it was a butt whipping. 45 to 17, GT got the win. UNC beat Campbell easily, 59 to 7 after that was 7 to 7 early. 
NC State stifled Miami, and that was actually a fun game. Raleigh was on fire. The D came to play for uh, for the Wolfpack, and TVD stunk. And that was a credit to NC State, but Tyler Van Dyke was awful. Three interceptions. Another game where NC State has less than 300 yards of offense. In fact, it was 231, and they won the game. NC State is winning like Iowa this year. That's what they're doing. And it's good for them. They're, they have a good shot at being seven and three when they come to Blacksburg. Cause I think they got wake up next. I still don't know if NC state's any good. I just don't know if they're that good. And finally Louisville beat Virginia tech 34 to three and is in control of second place in the ACC for a spot in the title game. Shout out to Brom. He is eight and one. And that's no joke. Even in this conference, being 8-1 and one is, is pretty impressive. And I suppose I will do VT Corner now. I don't really want to because that was that was pathetic. I, I mean, it was that was really bad on Saturday. And we did everything the opposite of what we had hoped. Couldn't establish the run. We couldn't stop the run. The tackling was terrible. The team looked flat. The effort was lacking. The gap fits were terrible. There was no swarming to the football. I mean, from what we had been seeing in ACC play the last three games, well, the last four games, not even even against FSU, we saw a little bit of life. There was nothing here. And the question is, why did we fail to show up at all, really, in a game that both Robbie and I thought we would come out and compete. Like, I, I really thought we could cover 10 points, even on the road, even against a decent Louisville team. And also because in every game of the Brent Pryor era, virtually every game, we have shown fight. We have had it at one score at some point in the second half. You know, most almost every game. And I don't have a great answer of why we failed to show up. And I certainly don't have an answer that any of our fans are going to like. And here it is. It was a stinker. They happen. And they are more likely to happen against good teams on the road when you are still rebuilding. And yes, we Robbie and I did our talent shtick this past week saying, you know, it it was never like more about the talent and we stick by that. And and even after this game, we're going to stand by that because we were pushing back on the idea that we don't have enough talent to beat Purdue and the marshals of the world, enough talent to win four to six games. We absolutely have enough talent for that. And I think a lot of people were saying that we didn't. An overall talent discrepancy was evident in this one. It was evident against Florida State. It was evident along the lines of scrimmage on Saturday. But I would still contend the us losing 34 to 3 was more about coaching. Like it, it I mean it's it's always both. It is always both and we all know that. So I go back to my eloquent analysis that This was just a stinker. We had one against UNC last year. 
We had one against BC in 2021. Oh my God, that pit game in 2020. Do you remember that? That was a nightmare. Pitt wasn't even good that year. Duke in 2019, we everyone remembers that one. Every year, there is a stinker across staffs and largely across college football for every team. Sometimes non-elite teams randomly just play horrible. And you can blame the coaching because they certainly should be blamed. They should have had our players better prepared than we looked on Saturday. But this happens all across the sport every week. So I'm going to chalk some of this up to just young kids playing college football. And it happens a lot. I mean, Louisville, this team that just dissected us and made us look putrid, they lost to Pitt. That is Pitt's only FBS win this year. Need I say more about what college football and what can happen? Like that is... How did Louisville lose to Pitt? How did they lose to Pitt? It's it's crazy. And that is college football at its finest. Robbie and I will talk more about the Louisville game, get into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts, and of course, get you prepped for BC later in the week on our Wednesday show. Other notable games this weekend. I don't know how notable some of these are, but Indiana beat Wisconsin. Tough one for the Badgers. Indiana, they're showing life right now. Iowa beat Northwestern 10 to 7 in Wrigley. Woof. Baseball score for a baseball stadium. Michigan State got a win. They got off the schneid. They were on a six game losing streak and they beat Matt Rule's Nebraska. Matt Rule, they can keep putting out all those great locker room videos. Didn't help against Michigan State. Stanford got a win versus Wazoo 10 to 7. Another kind of ugly game. I know Stanford's been playing better, but what has happened to Wazoo? They were a preseason ranked team where they beat Wisconsin. They got in the rankings and they have fallen apart. Kentucky moved to six and three after easily beating Mississippi State. I mentioned that because they have Bama next at home. West Virginia smacked BYU in Morgantown 37 to seven. West Virginia is six and three. Neil Brown coaching for his job. Maybe he should do that every year because he has the Mountaineers playing well. They got Oklahoma this week. G5 action. Fresno beat Boise 37 to 30. The running back Sherrod went for 132 and a touchdown and a kick and a kick return. So he had a kick return touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Fresno is eight and one overall, four and one in the Mountain West. I may be retracting my Wyoming chant. Fresno is probably the best team in the Mountain West. Undefeated Air Force. And this is why. Undefeated Air Force lost to Army by 20 points. They were favored by 18 and a half. An Army had just lost to LSU 62 to nothing. And then what does Army do? They go to Denver. The game is at mile high. So they're, it's more or less a home game for Air Force. They beat them by 20 points. That this is, this is college football, man. And that's why we love it. Because there are just improbable results every freaking weekend. It wasn't a conference game, though, for Air Force. So they are still undefeated in the conference and uh, should be in that championship game. UNLV, it's noted, also only has one loss in the conference. Boise and Wyoming both have two. Tulane, they looked like crap again. They only beat ECU by three points. ECU was one and seven going into this game. So that was that was pretty weird. But, hey, Tulane remains undefeated in the conference. Coastal beat Old Dominion. 
despite Grant Wilson throwing three touchdowns. Oh, do you two heartbreakers back to back for them? They were, they were right there with JMU. They were right there against coastal. And those are probably the two of the best. They are two of the best teams in the Sun Belt. And so coastal Carolina went seven plays in, in less than a minute to win at the end. So heartbreaker for ODU. It looks like it's going to be coastal and Troy in the championship game because Troy won again and JMU can't play for the title. So at the end of the year, we do have JMU coastal. And it's funny because even though JMU can't play for the title, I guess their conference games still count against teams. So it's kind of a very weird thing that's happening and, and it's only weird because JMU is looks like clearly the best team in that conference and they can't play for the title. But that JMU Coastal game at the end of the year is going to be awesome. Liberty and JMU remain undefeated. JMU is just relentless. They smacked around Georgia State. The fighting Jerry kills. I wanted to, to mention this because New Mexico State, let me get this right, 7-3. Seven 7-3 and three. Seven and three is Jerry Kill. And App State, all of a sudden, off the mat against against Southern Miss, they get a big win over Marshall. And you know what? Marshall stinks. I said that when we were playing them, and they were, I think, undefeated at the time. I was like, this team's not even good. Like, they, they were in a close game against Albany. I think Marshall's lost, like, five in a row. They might finish their season losing out. Marshall's a terrible team. Purdue's a terrible team. Hey, they beat both of us. Oh, what could have been? What could have been this year, potentially? Uh, did I have any notes on the G5? Oh, this was from the the American. UTSA won again. SMU squeaked by Rice. Memphis won a wild one versus UCF. 59-50. to 50. What a game that was. All right, AP poll. Let's get to it. I'll pull this up on the screen for you guys. All right. Top 25 after week 10. Here are some notes. No change to the top five. UGA still number one, Michigan still number two, Ohio State three, FSU four, Washington five. Louisville moves up four spots to number 11. The AP finally gets Louisville ahead of Notre Dame, only took a Notre Dame loss. Oklahoma State jumps into the rankings in a big way. Only two loss P5 team is UNC. And what I mean by that is they're the only P5 two loss team behind three lost teams. So no respect for UNC in the top 25. Number 23 for the number. I I don't know what I'm looking at here. This is my bad because whatever I had written down, I might have the, a slight difference in the poll, but it's all good. That was a botch. So let's move on to the playoff four because <laughs> I know I got this right because it's my own. All right. As of 11-6, Pete's playoff four, Michigan number one, Georgia number two, uh, Florida State number three and Oregon number four. You'll notice that there is uh, no change. And largely because all the top teams won. Georgia and Bama, I talked about it earlier. That was a tough one for me. I didn't know quite what to do there. But I'm going to leave Georgia in. They got they got a, they both kind of had similar wins against similar caliber teams. First of all, when Mizzou and LSU played, the game was extremely tight. And so I'm going to leave Georgia in partially because that's what I thought last week. And I really don't want to go against it. And that LSU defense has serious problems. So I'm going to leave Georgia in my top four. Bama is getting closer to UGA in the way I'm perceiving them, but I'm going to leave Georgia in. 
Michigan sign stealing scandal and the rumor that Harbaugh might be suspended could become a factor in my playoff four. That was kind of going around X this past week is are they is there going to be lawsuits and pressing charges and and whatever and and if Harbaugh does get suspended then Michigan's going to file a lawsuit all this stuff that could become a factor in my playoff four but for right now Michigan is still boat racing teams they're not playing anybody but they are just kicking the crap out of just about everyone I, I'm it's it's annoying how much of a joke their schedule's been but they will get a test this weekend against Penn State. High noon in Happy Valley. And Franklin is under some pressure to win that game as well. Leaving FSU in there, I don't care how bad Pitt is. When the weather cools down and you go to Pittsburgh, anything can happen. So I'm going to stick with FSU there. They're going to run the table and they will be in the playoff. Oregon did absolutely nothing to dissuade me of having them in there. I, I don't care that Washington just beat USC. They stomped a feisty Cal team. I think Oregon is better than Washington. And when they play in the Pac-12 championship, at least that's what I predict, Oregon will win that game and they will be in the playoff. If we want to talk about my power rankings, and this is this is different than the playoff four because when I have the playoff four, it is based on what I perceive the committee will do within the structure, right? Because there's conferences to to worry about there's one lost teams there's two lost teams whatever when i make my power rankings it's just about who i think is best who would win on a neutral field and so this this is how i have my rankings now oregon is my number one team in the country i i may be going a little crazy i don't know but they lost a very close game at washington this year a game where they went for it on fourth down and and lanny took some heat for that i think they're the best team they just look the most complete, their defense, their offense. I like Oregon, and, and I'll explain a little bit more why as I go through the other teams. Michigan, number two. They haven't played anybody that can go toe-to-toe with them on the lines of scrimmage. I want to see what Penn State does. Michigan has Penn State's number. They have had it for decades. And occasionally, Penn State can up and beat them or keep it close. But a lot of times, Michigan wipes the floor with Penn State. I want to see what happens this weekend. If they go out and they dominate Penn State, I will probably move Michigan to my number one in my power rankings. Georgia is my number third best team in the country on a neutral field. But they're very close with number four, Alabama, as I discussed. So it's one Oregon, two Michigan, three Georgia, four Alabama. Yes, I believe Alabama to be the fourth best team in the country. Florida State, I have at number five. And you'll notice that the number one team in the committee rankings last week, which was Ohio State, is my number six team in the power rankings. There's just a few too many questions for me about that Ohio State offense. Despite Trevion Henderson, despite Marvin Harrison Jr., they just have trouble consistently moving the ball at times. Florida State has their lapses. So again, that is very close for me. But Florida State versus Ohio State on a neutral field, I would take Florida State. So they are my number five team. So it's one Oregon, two Michigan, three Georgia, four Alabama, five FSU, and six Ohio State, if anyone cares about my power rankings. One more sponsorship ad here. College Football Monday is brought to you by Compass Coffee. With 16 locations in Northern VA and D.C., Compass is quickly becoming the go-to cup of joe in our nation's capital. 
They were founded by two Marines back in 2014, and their goal was simple. Make a high-quality cup of coffee that can point you in the right direction every day, kind of like a compass. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off using code 2DVT. So go to their site or download their awesome Compass Coffee app and use code 2DVT for 20% off your order. Compass Coffee, great coffee, doesn't have to be complicated. Let's talk about the upcoming slate of games. Virginia Tech goes to BC, a place that has been a house of horrors for us over the years. BC opened at four-point favorites. It is down to two-and-a-half point favorites for BC at home. It's hard to know what to expect after just what, what we just watched, but I would think, I think we will get a bounce back and we'll we'll play a good game up there. Michigan at Penn State, great game. Penn State only three and a half point underdogs. I like that. I, I want to see a competitive game. Uh, it'll be interesting. Can Penn State finally get over the hump and beat one of these really good teams? Ole Miss at Georgia, Georgia 11 and a half point favorites at home. I think they will kind of dismantle Lane and win. But hey, who knows? Lane Lane can can do the unexpected sometimes. Tennessee at Mizzou, Mizzou one point underdogs at home to Tennessee. Is that right? I have to look that up again. Miami at FSU, Florida State 15 point favorites at home. Utah at Washington. Washington is nine-point favorites. That's a huge game. I can't wait to watch Utah and Washington. Good color battle. Important game in the Pac-12. I think Utah can get the upset, but we shall see. USC at Oregon. USC coming off a tough loss. They Their defense is just terrible. Oregon should, should win and cover. But with Caleb Williams, you never know. Bama goes to Kentucky. Surprised how tight that line is. In fact, my Kentucky buddy, the Drake brothers, uh, Mike Drake, who went to Kentucky, was saying, what do I think the line's going to be before it came out? And I was like, uh, I'll go 18 and a half, Bama. It's 11. So we'll see. Maybe maybe Kentucky's got something for him. Can't forget about Duke and UNC. That is a big rivalry game. That is happening in Chapel Hill. UNC, 10 and a half point favorites against what looked to be a reeling Duke team, but they came back in that weight game and got the win. So it's a rivalry game. Loftus, I, I guess he's going to play. Riley Leonard um, tried to gut it out and, and, and looked like he might have a more serious injury. Both are three and two in the ACC. So if either of these teams wants any hope of going to the championship game, they got to get a win in this one. Should be a good one in Chapel Hill. That's what's coming up next week. Virginia Tech plays basketball tonight too, guys. So don't forget about the games tonight. I think men's and women's is playing tonight. Anyway, thank you for for being in the chat. Thank you for subscribing. If you're here, please subscribe. Thank you for liking the video. I'm liking, I'm telling you all this in advance. I'm thanking you for doing things you may not have done yet, but if you could do them, it would be great. Basketball season is here. That is awesome. You're going to get the Sons of Saturday Slam Jam video any day now. I've seen some of the edits and it is going to be awesome. I, I'm in it, so I'm a little biased, but no, it's it's going to be great. A lot of good content from the team, coaches, everything. So look forward to the Slam Jam video. Thanks for joining me on Co- College Football Monday, especially after a Hokies loss if you join me because these are tough Mondays, but we're going to get back at it next week in BC. I think we can get a win, but Rob and I will go into more detail on that later in the week. For now... Go Hokies.